Welcome to Texting Daily number 73. Texting Daily is a daily chat show with myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts, where we talk about tech, startups, and hacking, and other interesting stuff. Hey, Jason, how are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks. So you changed the name from TZ Daily to Texting Daily? Yeah, I'm still just kind of playing around with that whole side of things. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I like Texting Daily a little better. I, th- I like Texting Daily, and then we just call it TZ Daily in the in the thread that pops up on the website. Yeah. I think our show is just going to be in a constant or perpetual state of uh, iteration. I don't think we're ever going to settle on anything. We should call it iteration or flux that's, or something like that. That's right. That's right. So uh, the stuff that you want to talk about, could you, it, let's say I was to talk about something for maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Could, you, could you kind of contain yourself for that amount of time? <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I, 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 I'm taking Ron's advice um, to stick with one topic. So I got one topic and one topic only. Okay, I've got one topic and one topic only. All right. I'm going to tell you a very strange yet damn interesting story. Okay, let's hear it. You ready? Now, is this a true story? Yep, it's completely true. Or true although, enough. It's, it's, tr- it's true from my point of view, although some <laughs> of the information imparted may or may not be true, and that's up to the, uh, the listener to research. Okay. All right. Let's, With the let's spirit of Halloween in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. let's hear it. When I, when I was 18, uh, living in Ireland, I somehow ended up seeing a series of videos created by a crazy spiritual guy who was called Drunvalo Melchizedek. Whoa, it, what kind of name is that? That's, that's his name, right? I mean, what kind of name is that? It's, I guess it's like a, a kind of druidy kind of name, like it's a guy who, who wants to present himself as a druid or a spiritualist. I mean, wow. basically, it was a spiritual workshop that lasted about 18 hours. Okay, it sounds like a made-up name. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he made the name up, yeah. Okay, all yeah. right. Okay, so in, in this series of videos, uh, the thing that he was really into was something called sacred geometry. Okay. You, are you familiar with that? Never heard of it. Okay, so with, with this sacred geometry, he showed how with compasses, you could create simple patterns that he called the flower of life. And in fact, his whole video series was called the flower of life, right? So the way that it works is you take a compass, you draw a circle, then you place the point of the compass on the circle that you've just drawn, draw another one, then where those two intersect, you draw another one, and so on, and that kind of creates a pattern. Does that make sense? You can kind of visualize that pattern, right? He then went on to show how this basic sequence of circles contain, in a very obvious way, the logarithmic pattern known as the Fibonacci series. Right. Do you ever hear of that? Yep, so, sure. So, so that's like, uh, the series is like one, one, two, three, five, eight, and so on. Well, right? it's, it's this, uh, each number is the, is the sum of the preceding two numbers? Is that, exactly, is that yeah. Is, right? right, yeah. So he then went on to show how most plants grow in exactly that way in, uh, by, by using the Fibonacci series. Well, not by using the Fibonacci series, but just that we observe the, the Fibonacci series in, in life everywhere. So how uh, when leaves will sprout first you'll get one then you'll get another one then you'll get two then you'll get three then you'll get five then you'll get eight yeah right. you, yeah the fibonacci sequence is, is seen in patterns all throughout nature that's been something that's pointed out by scientists um for a number of years it's very interesting yeah so so then he went on to show how the scale between each of these numbers so when it goes to one to two to three to five to eight is 1.618 which is known as the golden mean yeah right the very interesting thing about the golden mean as it's, is that it's, it's seen in life everywhere. For example, snail shells, you know the way that the snail shell kind of curves? Yep. 
that is kind of as it as it expands it's based that on that kind of golden mean and also people's arms and forearms and their nose and their mouth are always very close to being proportional to the golden mean right yep so um in fact so much so that the closer a person's features are to the golden mean the better looking they're considered by society Right. A lot of the, they've done some studies on that, that the more symmetrical someone's face is, generally the more attractive they're considered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and to illustrate this, an artist created a wireframe diagram, which is called the golden mean mask, which basically maps out the human face in wireframe form and with all the ratios as close as possible to 1.618, right? Mm-hmm. So then you, when you superimpose this golden mean mask on various people, Basically, if you lay it on top of people like Marilyn Monroe, if you put it on her face, and if you put it on George Clooney's face, it fits perfectly. When you lay it on top of the face of an ugly person like you, it's completely out of proportion in relation to the mask. <laughs> nice, like you slipped that one in there. That was good. <laughs> so you're with me so far, right? I'm with you. What are you thinking? Is it interesting so far? Well, you know, okay, let's hear the rest of it. Let's okay. go on. Okay, so what, one of the things that Drumvelo spoke about... Um, was the way to take the measurements specified for the arc in the Bible, right? And to use compasses based on those ratios to make plans for a boat. So in other words, you know the way in the Bible with where the arc, it says 300 cubits by 50 cubits, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. He showed a way to use compasses to build this little boat, right? And it, it kind of made this shape of this boat, like a canoe. <laughs> right? Okay. Right. And he said that he'd built an actual boat and found it almost impossible to capsize, right? Okay. So he, he then went on to show how if you take this exact same shape and shrink it down to the size of a few inches, it creates this weird little object that has some very strange properties, right? Namely that if you try to spin it, it will only spin in one direction, right? Which is, which is kind of weird. Okay. Right? So in other words, if you try and spin it clockwise, it'll go. But if you try and spin it anti-clockwise, it does a couple of turns and then it spins clockwise again. Right. And, What's the and, name? Is it, does this object have a name? Um, well, actually, it's it's known as a toy called the Rattleback. Okay. Right. So basically, uh, w- the way that it works is it shakes w- when you try and spin it in the way that it doesn't want to go. It essentially shakes back and forth and um, creates a, an oscillation pattern underneath it that's like a figure of eight. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it essentially rocks back and forth and then kind of spins back in the same way. But what was really interesting was just to just to further kind of tie this in, right? was that he then went on to say that if you bolted a camera on a house and took a picture of the sun at exactly the same time every day for a year, the pattern that it creates is the exact same pattern as the oscillation underneath this little weird object. Okay. Following me? I think so. Go on. (laughs) So so the the thing is, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, well... I'd done some Googling recently just because, I, I don't know, it had, come, it had come into my head and I was thinking, oh, what was that stuff true? So I'd done some Googling and, and some of this stuff is like totally out there and available on the web to see. So, um, for example, if you go to uh, YouTube and type in Rattleback, you can see this thing and you can see it in operation. But then also the picture of the sun, the, the sun having the same oscillation pattern as what's on the bottom of the, the, the Rattleback. Once again, mm-hmm. go to Google Images and just type, type in um, picture of the sun at the same time each day. And you right. can see lots of, you know, lots of examples of that exact same oscillation shape that goes in the bottom of this thing. Okay. So I just, I'm not sure what this all proves, but I found it damn interesting. Well, I think, I don't think there's anything mystical about it. I just think that, you know, in mathematics, there, there are interesting numbers and interesting patterns and interesting relationships. Um, you know, I, that's what I, that was my major in college was math. 
Right. And, and really what math is is the study of patterns and the relationships of patterns, this, the relationships between functions under certain constraints and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, you know, you see the Fibonacci sequence and Fibonacci numbers and the golden ratio, I think it's what it's called, are, are just these sort of very interesting uh, numbers or patterns that you see over and over again. And, and I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if anyone can really tell you why. They just happen to be these interesting numbers. Um, I don't know if there's anything mystical about it. I mean, I think that that's part of the reason why mathematicians and scientists are in some ways in awe of the topic of the topics of math and, and science is because they see these unbelievably beautiful patterns. Isn't it truths. amazing though that that humans don't find people attractive unless they kind of conform to this golden mean? Yeah, that's interesting how that, you know, why that is. I, I'd wonder if there are any, any sort of mathematical theories or maybe philosophical theories about the golden ratio of why that is. I mean, I, I don't know if you can even say anything concrete about it, but yeah, I mean, it's understandable why symmetry matters because, a, I mean, when things aren't symmetric, it tends to be because there's some sort of disease. Right, right. right so yeah. I think, you know, we're biologically optimized to look for partners who are healthy right? yeah. and virile and strong and all those things. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, how did you run across this guy in the first place? Um, well, I, I, it was just basically some, through some friends of mine in Ireland and they, they had this video and uh, they, because we were all young at the time and I was guess I was like 18, right? So um, they just put together this, I guess they were trying to make some money. So I don't know how they came into the videos, right? But yeah. they're trying to make some money and they put together this workshop and like, you know, I, I'd pay five bucks because I was interested. I was just interested. It looked interesting. It sounds interesting. Right. And uh, they just, uh, I think I think they even hosted the event in a pub, right? So we were sitting in a pub watching this information. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. like 18 hours worth of crazy nutty videos from this American guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not real big on the mystical, you know, right. or the I, I guess in philosophical terms I'd be considered a materialist. Yeah. If I can't, if you can't see it, measure it, prove it, you know, I'm not I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in it. Um you know, I, I a lot of things are are interesting on their face, and just on the face of it, just like oh, that's that's interesting, interesting coincidence. But I don't know if it really means anything. Um, you know, they in trading, uh, there's all these different sort of like what they call um, indicators, trading indicators. Mm -hmm. Like you know, when you buy or sell a stock, like a moving average. Like if you say if micro the price of Microsoft is below its 30 day moving average, and you know maybe some other things are true or false, you go oh, that's a that's a you know, a buy signal, right? They, they have it, names for them, don't they? Like, like you have names in uh, football play. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, and and you know, there's a lot of you know, there's been all kind of studies that show that n that none of these indicators have any real uh, statistical proof behind them, mm -hmm. a real evidence that they work. But what they do do is they allow you to compress a noisy um, time series into something that your brain can. Um, uh, think about a little more easily so if you come up with a number like a moving average we, we've sort of smooth we've done a we've created a, a smoothing function right i mean even even when we talk about quants you're talking to people who are doing sort of trying to build sort of very solid statistical models i mean they're still creating different types of statistical um uh, functions they're creating statistical functions based on these time series anyway so one of these indicators is the fibonacci 
like their Fibonacci series or Fibonacci sequence. Like right. they use they use Fibonacci numbers to create like when you should buy and sell. Interesting. <laughs> kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same kind of thing though. It's like. I mean, you know, well, you know, if you look at the, if the price is, or the buy and sell, or the price, it creates some kind of a, yeah, I don't know, like a, 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 the angle, the pattern is based on this Fibonacci number, then it's considered a strong buy or a strong sell and all this kind of stuff. You know, but what's really interesting about all the trading, all these trading indicators, because in a lot of ways, it seems kind of like voodoo, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, because the human brain is built to sort of to, to see patterns. So oftentimes we see patterns where they're not, you know, and, uh, and that's one of the problems with people, they look at a cheese sandwich and they see Jesus or something, or they see clouds and <laughs> they see something. It's just, it's just randomness, you know, your brain fixates on something that reminds it of something else. But that's interesting because it's through those patterns that we solve problems. I mean, I know that that's how, I mean, pretty much 90% of my day is taken up looking for patterns to try and solve problems, coding problems. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the brain is extremely adept at, at analyzing, recognizing and analyzing patterns, but I guess there's a limit to the point where, w at what point are you being fooled by randomness? You know, there's mm -hmm. a, actually a book called Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Taleb who wrote The Black Swan, that's what he's, The Black Swan concept, which I'm sure most people are probably familiar with at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can... You can create, you can look at like a random sequence of numbers and you can put people who are maybe know some statistics but aren't experts at it and they can use a lot of statistical tools and find all kind of correlations and significant things that really aren't there. It's I, got the, I got this backgammon game for the iPad and um, one of the things that they pride themselves on is their, their whole random number generator. Right. And they have a, they have a little article. You can, go, you can go in, you can kind of see the code. And, and the way that it works is they basically pre-create the entire series of numbers. So before you even start playing, actually the next, the next kind of 200 moves are already calculated what those round, random numbers are going to be. And I always mm -hmm. thought that's kind of weird because it's kind of pre-created and it's random, but yet it exists already before you do it. Well, if, if you think about our random number generators that are in our computers mm -hmm. that we use to um, for video games or for anything. When you call like RAND <laughs> or, you know, generate RAND, whatever language you're in, there's usually some kind of RAND function. And, you know, those are called pseudo number random, pseudo random number generators because they're not truly random. And some random number generators are better than others. And there are a lot of, you can go on the web and you can find the algorithms that define um, ra pseudo random number generators that pass many more of the tests for randomness because there are a lot of different tests for randomness and some some generators are way better than others um, correlation between numbers and uh, you know I, I can't remember the names of them but the thing is that you since they're pseudo random they're ultimately a function so then a function is essentially compressing a pre-calculated sequence right you give me a number uh, an input and I already know the output so in but a don't, sense, don't a lot of random number sorry a lot of <laughs> random number generators uh, work from the entropy of things like log files and stuff happening uh, on the Unix machine or something like that. So essentially, they are kind of basing themselves on random operations that are happening on the machine, and then they use that as the seed to generate their random number. I, I think there are things that you can do like that. I've heard of things like that. I think the the the, the pseudo random number generators that are the sort of like the default. Mm -hmm. um, generators that you find that, that are, I usually come as part of the microprocessor 
they're built into the microprocessor, I think. I see. Um, I think it's built in the microprocessor. Um, those aren't so great, but you can use these other algorithms that can take those that as an input or take some other input and make it much more random. Mm-hmm. But I think what one way to create randomness is like you pre-create a number using some random sequence that's external to your computer. You know, maybe they create like you know some huge sequence of numbers and then they put that in there. Right. right. So it's not like it's not like um, you can run a bunch of analyses on it and figure out oh by running these analyses and how it failed or passed certain tests we can kind of ascertain which pseudo number random which pseudo random number generator they're using and therefore you know, try and hack some, you know, I don't know, encryption algorithm or whatever they're, they're using, they're, you know. So, anyway. I yeah. was thinking with that, with, uh, my first thought was, oh, it would be really useful to have that sequence of random numbers ahead of time because then with Swarm you could, like, look ahead and see what the moves was going to be. And then I thought, oh, no, you can't do that. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, I think so that would be. If, this, if the AI was to do that, right, that would just be cheating. Right. <laughs> yeah. okay, so- you could do that, but I, I yeah, that would that wouldn't be yeah. I wonder how that would be. I mean I guess it would cheat, but yeah, yeah. I mean a- it would, anyway. it, from the user from the end user's perspective, the gamer's perspective, if they just had something that challenged them, even if it cheated, maybe that wouldn't make any difference. Yeah, the that's user. a good point. Good point. Anyway, listen, um uh you go. You're what what have you got? Next up. Okay, so I got I read an interesting article for about MailChimp. Um, which is the, actually the the we have an account on Mailchimp, right? For yeah, the mailing we do. list that we have yet to create. We well, have, no, the we mailing created, list is created, and we have we have fifty four subscribers. <laughs> we have yet to send out an email. So um, anyway, they the, the article was about how they went freemium, and yeah. they've been dramatically increasing their um, signups and their income and their overall revenue and their profit. But because I think at the beginning of when they when they went to freemium at September on September first of two thousand nine, so just a little over a year ago, they had eighty five thousand users. They now have four hundred and fifty thousand users, mm-hmm. and where they were adding a thousand uh, users per month, they're adding two thousand users per month now, and and they've also increased their revenue quite a bit. But what was really interesting, he said, you know. People look at that and they're confused, and, and, it, and it leads them astray because they think, oh, I need to do freemium too. He's like, what people don't understand is that, is that they, were, um, they were not freemium for eight years. They've been around, they, they've, they've been around almost like nine, nine years now, right? Mm-hmm. And they said they would never have done freemium first because there's a ratio, I, I think that Matt uh, Brezing, Brezina, I think Brezina, who, from Zabney, um, quoted at the freemium summit, which is that the ratio of free to paid users that you can see across industry um, and across products is essentially one to ten. Right. So paid account for ten um, free accounts, and it's just a very consistent number, kind of like our golden mean. So that's that's ten percent, which is, I mean, yeah, uh, plug, plug is nowhere near as good as that. Yeah. So, um, but is it the problem is that you? From their perspective, is that you? You people ha- have uh, started replicating a freemium model because they've seen it work for other cases. But everyone's every company is different. Yeah, their context is different. And it's like maybe if you have venture backing and you can pay yourselves for a couple years while you try and get this big audience, you can do that. But if you're bootstrapping yourself, like you know, free, like uh, Mailchimp did, then you need to focus on the one and not worry about the ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's you know. exactly right. And I, I mean, I found exactly the same thing with Plugio. And um, although I'm I'm not seeing huge growth since I've cut cut off the premium, I am seeing a little bit of growth. At least I've got 
one new sign up this month compared to the last last month. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if that's statistically significant, but it, so you're you're not losing customers. No, I, I mean, didn't lose customers, and I think I've gained one. In, okay, and in your, I guess your overall user base is is decreased dramatically. My overall user base, actually, not dramatically. That's the weird thing. I mean, I still have a lot of free users uh, because obviously they're the people coming in on the thirty day free trial, right? Okay. So um, I still can. It's pretty much exactly the same. Um, I guess just that I get. There used to be like two hundred users using it a day. Now there's about one hundred and forty users using it a day. So there's, there's, there is a drop in the number of people who use it a day. Plus also, on average, uh, I'm just looking at it right now. Okay, so, so far, 107 people have signed in today, and 58% of those are paying customers. And right. it, it used to be before between 30 and 40% were paying customers who logged in on a, any day. Right, right. So, yeah. so well, well, this guy's advice, essentially, is that if you're bootstrapping, don't do... Premium. I mean, they had like a free sort of a really limited free trial that they'd mm-hmm. even get online for a few months after, until a few months after they created Mailchimp. And you know, because if you can't pay yourself, if you can't, if you don't make any profit, and you can't pay yourself, then you really got nothing. So don't even uh, do a free trial. They're saying. Yeah. Well, they said you could do a free trial, but you know, they're just saying in their case, it was very limited. It was like you could send twenty five emails a month. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't much. Um, it was just, which is kind of similar to what um, Isaac and Arnoff from Central Desktop said. You know, they have a free trial, but it's pretty limited, you know? So, so that's, because that's the one thing that I'm not doing with uh, Plugio right now. Like, my free trial is the opposite of limited. It's giving you the full experience of the premium. Right. I, you know, and I guess, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer is for that. I just, it's, that's a whole, that's a whole nother question. But what is interesting though, is that, you know, this thing we've talked about how this with this cargo cult mentality in the startup world where everybody starts doing things because some other company did it and it worked for them, mm-hmm. but their context can be completely different. They're venture funded or they're not, or they have a lot of a big following because of a blog or they don't, or, you know, it's just, there's just different, there's a whole lot of different reasons why certain pricing models and certain marketing uh, strategies and, and things can work or not work. You know, are you, a, you, are your customers consumers? Are they businesses? Whatever. So I think for bootstrappers, for bootstrapped companies, um, it's probably something that you should think hard about because if you're kind of just trying, well, I'm just going to give it away for free and I'm not going to focus on making any revenue and making any money. It's like the clock is really starts ticking pretty loudly. Mm. And no, not I, in your I, favor. I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, but even, even you're talking there about the, t- the cargo cult, um, you almost want to say, well, look, maybe there's the occasional bootstrap where it makes sense to have freemium, right? <laughs> like you right. don't want to make anything a kind of rock solid rule one way or another. But I guess what you're saying is generally speaking, you, you think that you should think long and hard about having that freemium. Yeah. I, I, it, 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 what would be kind of interesting is if all these kind of heuristics, all these rules of thumb that we're hearing it, reiterated on the web about, oh, you should do this or you should do that. You should have a free version. You should have a social media marketing campaign. You should release early, release off. I don't know, whatever. We have, there's probably a couple hundred you know, mm-hmm. rules of thumb that you could aggregate. And then really try and look at the evidence behind each one of those that gave them the sort of um, uh, recognition in the first place that they might work and figure out, well, what was the context? When did those work? Right, because it, you might be able to find out. You might realize that a lot of those only work in very specific contexts. Mm. You know, 
Um, yeah, so anyway, I just thought that, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, that, they, that is really interesting. But don't you think that it's also so much about marketing? Yeah, well, for them, they said they're they're just really focused on building a great product and and you know finding people willing to pay for it. Because if, you know, one of the, I think, a valuable point is that when you give your product away for free and you're ultimately hoping to charge, well, the people who are getting for free aren't really your customers because they're not the same people who pay, mm-hmm. right? Because they could be a whole different set of reasons why a free person would use it than, than for what the customers would pay for. So if you start charging, and those are ultimately what you want, is you ultimately want paying customers, then you're in your pivoting and iterating based on the feedback of those paying customers, then you're optimizing for more paying customers. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, the whole point about freemium, I mean, the thing that's good about freemium is what they say is that if you don't have freemium, then essentially you're losing customers. They're going somewhere else, right? So by having the freemium, you're getting those people who would go somewhere else. And then by having them, you're essentially building your mailing list and you get the opportunity to market them and convert them into a paying customer. Yeah, I, you know, I, that might be true. I guess, again, it probably is context-dependent. Um, but I think what you have to be careful with is, first, what's the cost structure associated with all those free accounts? If it mm-hmm. doesn't cost you anything, then fine. But usually it does. It costs you in terms of customer support, in terms of server and bandwidth costs, things like that. But the other thing is that you have to make sure that if you're really only building for uh, a paid customers, that's what you're at. You're not aiming for just aggregating eyeballs and selling to Google or Yahoo or something. Then you need to make sure you're not paying attention to their feedback so much because it doesn't really matter. Mm. Only the people who are paying. Because if the people who are, are not paying are not the same people. Yeah, that's very it, true. You know, it's not the same. It's, yeah, it's just a different market, you know. Um, so I don't know. Well, I wonder so, how much that applies to the 30-day free trial, though. So that, so I mean, I'm, I'm taking on board everything that you're saying, and it's interesting. So I wonder... If anyone who is in a 30-day free trial, do you consider them the, the kind of paying target or what? what are, they, are they in a kind of limbo? I mean, how do you treat well, I, them? I, I think if somebody is not paid, then they have not demonstrated that they're, your, that they're your market. If the people who are paying start saying, well, this is what I want or this is, this is what I want more of, or you know, I think they probably have more weight. I mean, maybe you could do a weighting function of it. You know? people, who are, people who send you an email or, or write some feedback using some feedback mechanism like get satisfaction, they say, look, I have a free trial, I would pay, but it doesn't do X, Y, and Z. That's valuable. Well, they may I, or may not be entirely true. They may not really be willing to buy. I've definitely, definitely experienced that where pe- people who are, who are signed up to the 30-day free trial, they get in contact with you for one reason or another to try and help them out. And then because you've helped them, they feel a little bit of reciprocity and basically they then sign up. Right. I've seen right. that a few times. Right, right. So, so how are we on time? Yeah, well, we're good. That's it. That's a show. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap. We're out. 